Welcome to a new episode of the Startup Diaries, powered by Bern Sheehan, a leading technology recruiter here in the UK. In today's episode, we have Sahana Gopal, who's the head of product for a company called Wild AI. Uh, Sahana talks us through Wild AI and the principles that underpin the business. Actually, very much in the tech world, a lot of the products that we see built are developed through a male lens. And actually at Wild AI, they flip that around and it's very much female at the heart of each product they build. Within the business, there's actually a high percentage of female employees over male, which within the tech world is really unique. Um, she talks about transitioning into her first product role and how she made her career jump to head of product. Um, she is actually a non-technical person or a non-technical background, and she talks through how she communicates as a leader to her technology team. And finally, she talks us through how they keep things lean and global within Wild AI. It's a good episode. Hope you enjoy it. Welcome, Sahana. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Great to be here. Do you want to start off by telling us a bit about yourself and ultimately how you became head of product at uh, Wild AI? Oh, yeah, this is a really uh, long, funny story. Uh, So I actually came out of an academic background. uh, So I completed my PhD in uh, biomaterials and stem cell biology uh, back in 2018 uh, at Imperial. And uh, I knew I didn't want to stay in the lab um, after my PhD because it was many, many hours of sitting in a very cold, dark room uh, with a massive microscope that I, I loved in the moment, but I didn't think about when I left and went home. I so- feel that. I did, the, <laughs> I did biochemistry at university in Manchester, and I didn't like the lab work. I could read anything out of the book and take it in, but practicality and waiting for gels to run for proteins to move around, that just, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel your pain. Okay. So, so um, yeah, I mean, I, I started also um, doing a lot of strength training uh, in general, um, just because I had a, an ACL rupture in my knee, and I uh, was very interested in training myself to kind of mitigate those issues, because I was a quite serious badminton player. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, as at the end of my PhD, I I ended up doing a, a bit of training around what athletes do for strength and conditioning. Um, and I started uh, seeing a few clients at a gym because my funding was running out. And I was like, oh, I can just kind of like carry on this way a few hours a week um, uh, where I was kind of spotted by a physiotherapist who was working out of the same gym. Um, uh, his name was Gareth. And he like uh, said, asked me whether I had a background in sports science. And I was like, well, not really. Um, but I worked with a couple of athletes by then. So uh, he was very interested in what I was doing. Uh, he was also the head physio for British Diving. Um, and British Diving was looking for a strength coach. Uh, and I just kind of went full swing into it without really thinking about my next steps in my career and where my PhD fit in. Um, so I started coaching the British team. Um, so doing all their delivering all their strength sessions, teaching them how to squat and lift really heavy. Um, thoroughly enjoying that. Uh, mostly about half my week, but um, you know something was telling me that I was, you know, missing. I missed the science, but not the lab. Um, and uh, I, I wanted to just apply myself like a couple of days a week as a scientist. Um, so I, I tried my luck, uh, went on a few websites, reached out to a few companies. Uh, my exact words in a few of those emails were, oh, um, can I, uh, can I, do you need a scientist a couple of days a week? 
And um, while the AI got back to me, um, so they were uh, in the infancy of just developing a platform for uh, for women, and they were looking for a research scientists to put together um, the very little scientific information out there, uh, sports science information on women mm-hmm. um, into into this app, um, so that you know women could come in and learn how their bodies are different and how we need to train and fuel differently. Um, so I thought that was just like a perfect opportunity to to get into the health tech space. Um, and I dived straight in uh, about two days a week. I was working very closely with the CPO back then. Um, and he was, you know, previously co-founder of Clue. Uh, I just learned so much about product from him cool. uh, my first couple of years and really translating all of that research into insights our users were receiving and having such close proximity to our user base, uh, which was just a beta pool of users back then, but so engaged and so thoroughly kind of like uh, enjoying what we were building that, um, you know, I just realized like product was was for me. So um, yeah, that's a really long-winded story, but uh, that's just the best way I can enjoy No, that's a great, great story. Uh, but do you want to then give us a bit about Wild, tell us a bit about Wild AI and ultimately the principles that underpin the business? Yeah, so really it came about uh, because our founder, CEO, Helen, uh, she was, you know, kind of grew, grew up um, thinking it was really uncool to be a girl. Um, you know, she played rugby. She was a triathlete at the time we met her. And um, essentially it was like, why are women not, given a different set of recommendations because we go through a lot of pain during our menstrual cycles um you know we feel like crap on our periods um you know we don't we don't do anything differently and we just eat and train like small men um and we we kind of got together uh to to kind of put this information together in terms of like okay so how do we actually help women feel like they can perform and feel like they have amazing bodies which can achieve amazing things and that's really what underpins uh what wild is it really uh serves to let women know that they can perform and be like you know be game for anything at any time of their lives because we just aren't given the right information um and we've just been fed information that's that's done in men mostly uh so if you look at all the sports science it's only about six percent of all sports science research which is exclusively conducted in women so that's taking into account birth control or being on menstrual cycles or going towards menopause and really there was like you know for half the population who is very very interested in fitness and exercise uh there's very little information out there so we also teamed up with stacy sims who is like a kind of a world um, like a thought leader and um, research scientist as well in female physiology. So we developed a lot of that uh, recommendations work in terms of how to eat and how to recover um, and also how to train uh, around, you know, what's going on in your body as a woman. Well, I hope you've then integrated that into your uh, your strength and conditioning coaching side of things then, but it must be quite, <laughs> quite useful for you to be able to take that away from work and then go and do some strength and conditioning uh, and, and ultimately be able to see the results, hopefully, in, in the people that you're working with. That's it. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, it's a great way to just apply, you know, all the stuff I've learned. Mm-hmm. I think that's uh, one part of coaching I, I thoroughly enjoy, just having you know, we can do all the clinical work, we can do all the kind of research and, you know, put together the publications and the papers. But, you know, when it actually comes to, to coaching the person in front of you, mm-hmm. uh, just having that whole oversight of what 
what it actually means and being able to put that to use in the person in front of you who is hopefully going to be at an Olympic Games one day is just like a, a really amazing uh, thing to for me to be able to do. Uh, to, yeah, that's pretty awesome to be fair that's pretty awesome um just one obviously one of the things about it's quite unique about wild ai is that actually in this what's well, incredibly unique uh, especially in the tech world they actually have a higher percentage of female employees than male um there's not many businesses that i've come across i've worked with that can say that that's very much the other way around um so i guess what has your experience been like as a woman in tech and what do you think the industry could do more of to increase that that gender diversity and inclusion so I think uh, for us, really, it was about, um, you know, building a, a female centric product. Uh, we, we'd hope would attract more women into the job. Um, you know, I never I think coming out of a lab for me was like we we really didn't see that much. Uh, it, it's a place where there's a lot of diversity just because science is that like forthcoming with just, you know, getting the like talent from everywhere. That's what you see in universities, especially in London. Um, and moving from that kind of space to, um, you know, a tech space, which was, again, female focused, I feel like I'm very biased in what I see just because, um, you know, like I've gone from one place, which is quite diverse to another place, which is, again, like kind of female centric, but also uh, it is it is in tech. So typically, um, yes, we did start with uh, our engineering team is mostly men, um, but the kind of like people we attract are there's definitely a, a whole lot of women um coming into the space right now and it's 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 really amazing to see because i think what we're trying to change as well and how we project ourselves is that uh, a lot of products are made that are unfit for women mm -hmm. and we're trying to change that narrative so naturally it's been quite attractive for a lot of women in tech to to approach us mm -hmm. uh, whether that's in engineering or uh, design or uh, product as well um, and yeah that's currently where we're at um, we work with the people from all over the world we're a remote company uh, so we we literally hire from from anywhere as long as you know everyone can meet once a day um, and and that's been also an amazing uh, part of it because we're able to like you know just kind of engage with different cultures and um, you know it's it's uh, it's been really amazing as a, as a journey but it's been my actual only journey in tech so you know I, I I do feel I'm just very lucky to only see this um, mm -hmm. and I just hope you know uh, it can continue from like in a lot of places around me as well. One of the things you said there was obviously products are often made through that kind of male lens as such or from a male viewpoint how does how do you and, and Wild AI you know keep the you know these products that you're building are obviously going to be keeping women at the heart of the product technologies how, how do you go about doing that? So it, that, that's a great question. And I think, you know, our user base like speak to, speaks to us a lot. Uh, that's that's number one, right? So uh, who is our user today? Uh, she's someone who is uh, very active. Uh, so that that by that, I mean going to exercise on purpose around three to four times a week. Um, she's very in tune with like what she's putting into her body nutrition wise. Uh, she wants to kind of up her game on all fronts in terms of her performance, um, uh, kind of like, you know, just looking to go to the next level. So when you when we talk to our users, um, it's like when they find 
out that this is the, the product that they need. Um, they have the most amazing ability to relay that information to us in terms of you know those gaping, big gaping holes. Um, and that makes our lives a lot easier just because you know there are uh, like you know if you think there's like a very, very minor opportunity and a small place that you can build in this area, there's like for us, it's like a massive gaping holes on all fronts. Uh, just because of the complexity of the life stages as well. So we're not just talking about women uh, having menstrual cycles, we're talking on, with women on birth control, uh, what that birth control is actually doing to their bodies, for example, um, uh, going towards menopause, uh, being like getting women to understand that those symptoms that they're experiencing a little bit early on are actually perimenopausal symptoms. Um, so there are so many different life stages and the fluctuation in those changing hormones actually like helps us like think about all these big problems that we need to uh, build for. Um, and then we we do have this really engaged uh, user base who, who, you know, it's like, okay, we're going to come to you because we know that you're building this for us. Um, so in that sense, it really is like a, an amazing place where it all fits together. Um, and yeah, so I think, again, we're very, very lucky to be in the space where it's a, it's a high need uh, product as well. I'll tell you what, your, your PhD background must be very useful then coming into this role, having that scientific mindset. I think you've got a, a, a learnings. I'm not saying you necessarily study those aspects, but you'll be able to put the pieces together, I'd imagine, quite quickly. Uh, yeah, I'd hope so. <laughs> That's what <laughs> PhD teaches you. Um, being able to like kind of critique information um, well and uh, think think outside the box a little bit and find different ways to fix problems. Yeah. Well, obviously, kind of alluding to it there, you, you've had a very, quite a unique journey into the role of head or moving into the, the area of product and moving to the role of head of product. Is there, looking back on it and going through that career, your career so far, what advice would you be able to give to anyone who's maybe looking to get into products and transition there for the first time? Oh, yeah, this is another great question because a lot of people do ask me, like, how did you actually get into that? Um, well, I, I would say I actually, a lot of people probably are who are looking to get into product are already doing a lot of product work without realizing. Uh, that for me was a was a big a, a big win for myself to realize. Okay, like actually, when I was when I did join Wild uh, and I was working with the CPO, um, like what did that actually look like in in a product uh, situation? Right, I was doing a lot of tasks that were around what what he was trying to build uh, for the product in its initial state and you have to go back and and think about all those things that you were doing uh that feed into um how you are going to become a good product manager so i would say like you know like look back and look at the stuff that you are actually doing and how that fits into the next step of your product management um, position. And, and that's really going to help you move forward. Um, the other thing I'll say is that it's it's actually um, a place where there's there's no real formal training. Like a lot of the, the you know, the podcasts I've listened to and a lot of people I've listened to, uh, they've always, most of them have just landed up in product, much like myself. And it's it's such a true thing because there's no formal training that you can receive, like go get a degree stamp from university. Um, it really is something that you 
uh, grow with and you fall into. But then once you get there, then there's uh, a lot of potential, you know, like uh, for mentorship and like uh, getting on these these amazing courses to put put like structure into into your product management role if you need more help with it. But um, definitely realize that you are doing a lot of the job um, uh, before you even think you've got any of the skills. So. Perfect. No, I like that. So thank you. One of the things as well, obviously you've come from that you know, non-technical background and now moving into a leadership position within a you know, technology business. Does that come with any challenges? And if it does, how have you tackled them? Um, I think the goal is to be, I mean, at least with me, I, I think um, just being very open is, is the number one thing. Uh, so the first thing I tell, you know, like our head of engineering or whoever, whoever I'm working closely with, who is technical, like I'm very clear on this and I say, Hey, I, I, I have no idea. I mean, I've learned a little bit through, through time, but it's like, yeah, I think being very open about what your skill set is. Uh, is is very important because that sets the foundation for uh, you know how you go about building things next. So um, there may be other elements that you know the engineering team and the technical team struggle with uh, that where you actually need to come in and 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 be a lot more kind of present for those kinds of situations. Um, so so I think that's kind of where we've reached uh, with Wild, where I'm able to really kind of hone in on a skill which I. I thoroughly enjoy which is which is the ability to uh lead uh just by not by informing but just by like influencing mm -hmm. so it's like we end up having uh, a good decision and a good debate um after a good debate and and that's really what leads to to success in a like at least for me like being a non-technical person mm -hmm. uh you know running sprints and things like that Good, good. I mean, with the team as well, it's quite lean. There's only roughly around 10 of you and they're working you know, remotely across the world. How, how does having such a lean team impact the capabilities and the feasibility of the product's growth? Yeah, I think that's really about focus. Um, so again, like uh, we are very focused on, you know, uh, everyone has to just be the, the alignment is key, right? Uh, you'll see like, I guess, smaller teams, uh, they do have a very high output. Uh, and that's, that's kind of the way we've gone with it, it's like staying lean and having a, a high rate of things coming out just because you know we can all stay focused on that one uh problem uh that we're trying to solve and and that really lends very well to um yeah the overall product as well i think um you know a, a lot of our uh user base is always pleased with how how much we've built like the perception is that we're very large but, right. uh, but really it's 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 quite the opposite of that so um i think i think we're yeah doing quite a good job of kind of <laughs> hiding that fact that <laughs> <laughs> uh, means you're running efficiently so that's good that's good yeah. uh so what uh, the last two questions we always ask on, on the podcast really are about your you, your career and your, your advice for you throughout your career as well so what would be the biggest challenge that you've had in your career to date um i i, I think uh for me uh, personally it's it's about imposter syndrome and it's all centered around that um I, I, it comes with, you know, like uh, spending about eight years in university, like going through the whole academia route for a while. Um, you become such a specialist with, you know, one cell type and one protein and one <laughs> interaction with, with no one in the world cares about, uh, but <laughs> people. Um, so, so I think like you learning how to be a specialist on that front and then 
saying, hey, I'm just going to throw that out the door and become a strength coach, <laughs> work with athletes, and then actually become a, a product lead as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it does, you know, rock the boat a little bit, and it has done for me um, a lot in the in the recent years. Um, but this is why I think, like, going back to the drawing board to, like, take a look back on, you know, how far you've come is, is always a key part of dealing with that uh, imposter in you. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, you, your situation today and like where you've reached today is, is a real telltale sign of like, okay, no, I'm, I'm here now. Um, it doesn't mean that I stopped learning because that's just not, you know, that's not on the cards, but that doesn't mean I don't know anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it really is like, uh, you know, a, a challenge and it is a constant challenge for me even today. Uh, I, I definitely totally struggle with it, but um, that's the only way I've learned how to cope is to, is to just really kind of focus on, okay, no, like what are these actual skills, like tangible skills that I've put together to get to the stage in my career and um, how can I just keep moving that uh, yeah. forward a little bit? Yeah. Great. Great. And then the final question we always ask is, and I think it's quite an interesting one with the, the journey that you've taken, but what advice would you give to someone who's looking to join a startup? Um, be prepared for everything and anything. Um, you'll get things that are thrown at you that you think are like, you know, totally outside your, your job description and, you know, uh, but but you've just got to be totally prepared um, for that ride. It's a very specific type of ride, uh, which is thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyable when uh, you are passionate about the industry and the area and the problem you're solving. Uh, that's always a big help. So, I would say like just if you move into a startup it has to be like within like that space that you're like you know you could you could see yourself doing that for for years um and i think yeah that's probably the best advice i can give someone joining a startup to have the drive and the, the energy that's required mm-hmm. uh, awesome awesome well look that's a great point to, to wrap up there but sana thanks for joining us on, on the episode today and i hope you enjoyed it yeah it was great thank you so much for the opportunity it's been awesome chatting to you